Welcome back, listeners. It's amazing to have you come back in and join me with Learning From Friends as I'm your tour guide, Cade Curtis. Today, just to give a little disclaimer before we go into it, we're going to focus on two main topics today. I have a lovely friend, Ashley, that's here with me that we're going to talk about music and her journey within the kind of the music industry, as I'm calling for her on this. I'm calling her out on it. She's in the music industry. She may not admit it, but she is. And also, we're going to talk about in a very important topic in both of our lives is a mental illness. We both have issues that we suffer through for our life, and we're going to talk about them. And I find that to be very important in general because a lot of the times we, we bottle it up. We don't really get into it uh, too much. And so we're going to open up a little bit about that, and we're going to talk about being proactive and also some tips and ideas that have helped us uh, so far along that way. So... Ashley, thank you for joining me this evening. Hi, Kate. So, Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. Like, it's <laughs> it's amazing. This is really super cool. You're going to be episode number four. Like, episode number four, Crazy. coming in early. Yeah, it's super awesome with it. So, Ashley, mm. this podcast group has no clue. Most of them, some of them probably know who you are. But <laughs> imagine that you are talking to somebody in another country or another state how would you describe yourself give me a background give me like a, a little synopsis of like your wikipedia page here okay um well my name is ashley hello um i guess i'm in the music industry you are you are <laughs> i try and keep a low profile on that sort of thing just because one thing i always say to people who want to pursue the music industry is you have to kind of understand the life that you want to have. So I keep a pretty mellow life. I live up here in the North Georgia mountains. I absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, my name is Ashley. I'm in my mid thirties. I'm married to one of your wonderful friends. Yes. We go back pretty far. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, and I have, Three cats that I love most of the time. And I'm just an incredibly not great friend all the time because I'm so busy working. But other than that, yeah. And as a warning, we're going to probably go off the rails like uh, our previous episode, <laughs> Joe and I did. It's just a matter of time and how long it kind of lasts with us. So bear with us as you know, we kind of get off track and then we'll, we'll steer it back in mm -hmm. and that reigns forward. That's just our nature. We're very similar in personalities. So yeah. sometimes that's a clash, but sometimes that's a, a very nice thing depending upon the moment in time. Yeah. Uh, for, sure, for sure. You're one of the few pe people that can be like, Ashley, you're not being a super awesome person. I'm like, well, Cade, you don't look like an awesome person right now either. <laughs> but we mean it in the nicest yeah. of ways. No, it's, we do. It's, it's a compliment <laughs> at times for it. And that, that's a good thing for us. So let's, let's go back here. Man, how long have we, like, I'm trying to think, how long oh, have we known no. each other here? I think I briefly met you in middle school, but we didn't know See, I don't each remember other. Middle school. I don't remember middle school at all with, with you on that. I remember high school. High school. High yeah. school is the main one. Um, I had this lovely, lovely friend that I had been friends with for years, first name Daniel, you know him well. And Daniel and I became like mother and father. That's, you were my senior parents. Yeah. A true statement. To a bunch of incoming sophomores and freshmen and stuff. And we just decided you guys were our babies. We were going to take care of you. And the insanity ensued. And I was like, okay, well, what happened that, that that, that uh, ended up being the conclusion. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember distinctly just my, my first kind of memory coming back in was band camp coming through. Um, my freshman year was your senior year yeah. as you were going out. So that was Paul Simon show. Um, no. Was that? No, that was Paul Simon. That was Pirates. Pirates was, wait, Pirates was my freshman year? Okay. I don't know those... if it was your freshman or sophomore year. I may have met you my junior year, your freshman it year. It may have been junior. And we knew each other for a couple yeah. years because the show that I did with you guys was the Pirates of the Caribbean show. And that, but that was the second year that that was because mm -hmm. Paul Simon was my first. But I remember meeting you in the band room then um, after band camp because it must have been you Probably. were you were hanging out with the drummers and the drama people and we were still early in the school year. Yeah, in that sense for it. And you kind of you knew my sister 
I did. Uh, and through chorus. And so that's kind of where you sort of knew me already at that point for it. And you knew my older brother too, briefly. Yes. For a little while. And so that's, yeah, I remember like my freshman year being very confused, a little lost, kind of going through. And you kind of, <laughs> you and Daniel had already picked me up and was already talking with me through band camp. He helped me out a ton. And so you just kind of popped in the picture. Yeah. That kind of way for it. And you were my senior parent kind of deal. Yeah, it was through, um, again, the theater and through music that we ended up being friends. And it was one of those traditions that every morning before we were forced to go our separate ways, all of us would hang out in a similar location between the main school and the band room. Until the band room was open. Then we all just filed in. Yeah. And then I would I would go somewhere else. I don't know where I would go. But we would... We, we all kind of part different ways at yeah. different points in times. But it was one of those things that we just ended up running in similar circles. And one of the first things I remember is just laughing because I don't even remember what you did. But it was you and G... G is Garrison, who will be a podcast <laughs> member in the next couple of weeks as well. So small little brief drop-ins here. We call him G, G Money sometimes. Yes, is meaning you and G, and you guys did something stupid. <laughs> We're awkward kids, so it, it's, it's very easily that it could have been anything. And I just remember being like, are you okay? Or are you just a head case? And you're like, oh, I'm just a head case. And from that on, I knew we were going to get along because we both have a similar humor. Yeah. And honesty goes a long way. And if you're just like straightforward with it, yeah, I'm just a nutcase. You know, uh, yeah. We come by it honestly in, in that weird yeah. sense to it. That, 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 that is definitely for sure to it. And so that's going to leeway into my next question with what is your friendship kind of meant? What has our friendship meant to each other over these? Okay, let's do some math here. 15... <sighs> 16, 17, 18, probably 18 years, years now. Years, yeah. Like probably, because I've been about 13 at that time. I'm 32 now. So that would be, yeah, about. Don't do that. They're going to figure out how old I am. You said you're in your 30s. You know, it's okay. I don't have to know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, it's probably about 18 years. Yeah. And your your husband and I go back 27 years. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Thinking about that there. Boom. Yeah. Mind blown. Insanity. Um, so again, you and I are incredibly similar. When we are friends with people, we're friends with them forever. It doesn't matter if I've seen you yesterday or it's been like 10 years since I've seen you. I'll say hello. I'll be like, oh my gosh, how are you doing? But with you and me, we always just ended up popping back together. Maybe three, five years at a time. And yeah. you never kind of know. It was really crazy. And, um, you know, especially when we both graduated university and we were going overseas. Oh, yeah. That was around a big one. similar times. Um, and I have no idea how we stayed in communication all these years, but it was kind of a fantastic way of having someone that pops back into your life and you're like, hey, Ashley, you want to go to this concert? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> yeah, I think that was one of the times that we got back together was, I remember my senior year, we had a kind of a group started, a really core group that started mm -hmm. going place, the night crawlers, as we like to uh, call ourselves with it. We were, um, after graduate high school, we were still running strong. Like the strongest we were ever at was freshman year in high school. I mean, freshman year in college. Uh, whenever still kind of core group. And I think there was a concert that Corey, my brother, wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. And he it's like, hey, like put it posted it up somewhere and you said, Can I go? And that's kind of that connection yeah. back in in some form or fashion. Or you heard about it and we realized that we were both going to that same concert. concert there was some weird yeah. connection with it. And after that we started hanging out again. And that is when you are lucky and you're welcome that uh I connected you in with your husband, uh, now husband at that time. Or what was it for a while? It was life partner or connected partner? What, what did you guys... Uh, we were uh, just living partners. We met um, through a gathering of friends. You're welcome. <laughs> and I remember before I met him, I always heard about this crazy friend you guys had. And I'm like, this Which guy... Which one? Did we have all those are a little I mean, crazy? Yeah, but like this is the one where like he would break his arm in a sharp shopping cart that was 
pulled behind a truck. There is a, a non-disclosure agreement on that conversation. Oh, okay. So I'm going to have to cut you off there on that uh, conversation for another day. That's that's breaking okay. storylines. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, but I, I always heard about this this dude that would always injure himself and he just didn't make smart moves. And I'm like, this guy sounds like a moron. I never want to meet him. But he was really cute. Like that's the thing. He is super cute. <laughs> he was really cute. I as soon as I saw him, I knew I was in trouble, and I was like, "Dang it, Bobby! Like this, <laughs> I'm in trouble." <laughs> yeah. Good, good old uh, King of the Hill there ref- reference. Love it. You know, uh, going thanks. back in there. Good, good old King of the Hill. I mean, I'm. I was born in Texas. You know, gotta give it up a little bit. But I just, I knew that I was in trouble from then on. And I literally, I snuck out of the party. Because I didn't. Oh, yeah. Before I left for Ireland, you left the party, snuck out a little early on that. I remember this. Because I was actually G. I was like, you got to get me out of here. You got to get me out of here. And G was like, why? You don't want to hang out with him? And I'm like, no. Get me out. (laughs) But you, you can't leave a good. Cade Curtis party. You just at the end of the day, this was a very like <sighs> immense, amazing moment. We had a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. Chris Bias first episode. That guy planned out one of the best send off parties it that you amazing. can imagine. It was just it was amazing. It was amazing. I had so much fun, and I just remember being separated in teams, and we were all there was four teams. It was set up like a Legends of the Hidden Temple style. Yeah. Yeah, and like the tomfoolery ensued, and that's our relationship right there, tomfoolery. Like, <laughs> that, that is the summary of our relationship here, for for sure. Yeah, but I just remember having such a good time, and it was so sad for it to you know end. But I had to get out of there because I was like, this guy is really cute, and I do not need to be ne- anywhere near this. And then now you're married to him. Okay, you're welcome. Well, you I'm guys say that like 18 times. <laughs> you guys did trick me though, because a couple weeks after, G was like, "Ashley, you know it's your spring break. You should come to Athens." Oh yeah, and I was spend, gone by this point. Yeah, you were gone, and stay with us. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I would love to." And I drove up with Z, and um, the thing is, Z knew that I'd live with you guys. Another guest eventually, and then in a little while. And he didn't tell me, Garrison didn't tell me, and they all set me up to fail. You're welcome. <laughs> and when I realized he lived in the same apartment that like, you guys all had shared. I, I didn't live there at that point. Well, no, you were in <laughs> Ireland, but you did. Yeah, yeah, eventually. But nobody told me. And so when I realized he wasn't a neighbor, he actually lived there, I was like, oh, I'm so, like, no. It was so mean. And when the guys, re- like, when I figured it out, the guys were like, ha, 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 that, That's was... about normal. We're, we're kind of like a weird mixture of, like, guilt trip slash <sighs> trick into getting what we kind of need. It's a weird manipulation process, but we do it with all the kindness of intentions uh, whenever this kind of happens and really when you came over to like visit you never really kind of left except for no. like that period of time where you were in scotland and you're back for a little while then you're back in scotland and then you move back kind of that range that weird back and forth phase there but you you never really left after that no and literally you guys introduced me to my now husband. Thank you. You're welcome. I think this is number like 15 times. <laughs> oh, you should count. man. On, on uh, listeners, you should count throughout the entire episode how many times we say, I say thank you, or I mean, you're welcome, and then like put it in the comments below. Oh. I'm, just, I'm just curious. If, if it, this was a drinking game, they'd get tanked so fast. Yeah, this is a true statement. <laughs> it, it, would be, it would be pretty rough. It, it really we'll would. We'll just say be. for if it is, uh, you're welcome. Just to add one more in. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, no, I, I met him and literally within five months, I knew that I was leaving. Um, to Where were you leaving to go to? I was leaving to go. I was graduating from college and I was um, already signed up to go to Scotland for missionary work. And... Um, we had sat down and decided, okay, well, I just met you, but I'm leaving. And I've always felt a strong sense of connection to, I'm so lucky to have the opportunities that I have. 
and I'm not going to pause my life just because I fall in love. <laughs> hey, you know, it happens to the best of us. Dude, so we- but it had, worked out. It did. You're we, welcome. <laughs> 17, 18, I don't know. I mean, if I had something to throw at you right now, I might just do. Yeah, I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> um, but we literally decided that we were going to move in like five months after knowing each other, which is it. I'm an extreme person, so it made sense. And I figured that we were either going to kill each other by the end of the summer or, you know, he would be like, the most amazing person I've ever met in my life. And dang it, if it wasn't the former. <laughs> and that that for sure is a major kind of component of our relationships here, of how we help each other mm-hmm. in moving forward. Because of both the, as you and I suffer from some of our mental illnesses that we, we yeah. deal with on a daily basis, we've been able to really help each other mm-hmm. and kind of be a sounding board and also be kind of a, um, a guiding light of saying, hey, look, I've been able to do this. You can do this too. And that kind of pushing forward um, with with life in general. It was just a beautiful moment within the friendship of our group. And it was almost like you, you've always been our the leader of our pack, in my opinion. Thank you. Um, but it was kind of one of those things as you guys kind of looked at me and said, Ashley, I'm pretty sure that that was love at first sight and you deserve that kind of happiness. And I was in a, when I I met my now husband, I was in a point of like, I don't think I deserved that kind of happiness. And I had to like make my own amends of things that, you know, were not my fault at the time, but it didn't stop me from blaming myself. And when you guys came back into the picture for me, it was like you saw me and you saw what internal struggles I had more so than people that I would spend every day with. Yeah, because we, we, the thing about our group is we genuinely care mm-hmm. for each other at a gentle drop of a hat. If one of buddy calls us at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, goes, hey, I need $500. We're like, okay, first, you know, where do you need me to meet you at? And then like after we get there, we ask the question of after you hand it over, why do you need $500? But I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. But it's also that uh, yeah. we it's it's a family. That That's the thing. Like yeah. The friends are the family you choose. Mm-hmm. That, that's 100% true on that. And uh, I'm starting to tear up a little bit. I can see a little like one or two tears kind of coming come down your no. side. Or is, that, or is that just a, no. you know. Uh, no, I'm not going to cry. I'm good. <laughs> I will. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a crier. I get a little emotional. Uh, <laughs> I think that's part of just who I am as a person. And uh, my mother definitely gets kind of passed that on to me. You have such uh, an awesome mom. I, do, I love my mom too. I love my mom. I love my family. Like I love my friend family. I love my like my blood family. Yeah. I love my wife and like all this stuff to it. It's like, uh, she's a blessing. Like, I don't know how she puts that with me. Let's be honest here. I will say the first time I ever met your wife, Katie, I was like, well, this is just perfect. And I I liked her immediately. And I'm I'm a very protective person to my friends more so than even to myself sometimes. And so anytime you guys brought a new girl in, I'd keep my distance and I'd be like, okay, we'll see how this one plays out. Judging from a distance. Oh, you and your judging super, eyes. Super, super judging. Um, but the, the second I met Katie, I was like, yes, this is perfect. She is amazing. I need to protect her from everything that, it, that these guys are gonna put her through. It's a true statement. And, uh, we'll, we'll go into a one day, hopefully my wife will agree to come on to the podcast and we can tell a little bit about that story and that range. We'll, we'll see if she's willing to do it. But uh, this is one of those months, we went off the rails a little bit here. We're 20 we minutes into this podcast. Oh, it's no. hilarious. No, it's, it's hilarious. Of We're 20 minutes in and we haven't like hit some of the points that I think are super like fascinating. But that's, that's the cool thing about our friendship though. It's yeah. like we could... Any group of people that I have on, I could just run for hours of, of talking about it. But uh, the key thing that we're looking at here is we're learning from each other. And we're, and we're learning that the group is learning a little bit more about me because this is only episode four as well. So uh, we'll see how that grows in the further reveal of your tour guide, Kate Curtis. So we'll see how that goes. But tell me some hobbies about Ashley. Like, Tell me some hobbies about yourself. 
Wow, um, I like use like third person there of like that was a little weird. I mean, it's your show. Run it how you want. Yeah, why not? You're the boss, applesauce. So I will say one of my hobbies is I I like to doodle, and I like my handwriting. So I actually have a little. It's not a journal. It's just like a book that I write stuff. I guess that is a journal. Yeah, it's like a like uh, a journal. You can call okay. it a diary if you want to. Yeah. Zane is an option. Not for me. Okay, okay. I'll have a little heart pink lock on this thing. Probably you could should. though. You, you could. Um, no, but I like to. I like to doodle, and I'll get different ideas from. There's a heart on that page. You drew a heart on that page. Uh, you're close. Okay, <laughs> hold on. It is a wave. But it's a heart wave. That's in the shape of a heart. Still a heart. With birds. Still a heart. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna not open that page. There's a anyway, skull on this page. Doodling, drawing, I, I doodled a skull here. Writing, I, yeah. I sidetracked. Um, but yeah, I actually do that in my spare time because even I actually doodle even when I'm working because it helps me focus. It helps me calm my mind a bit because specifically in my business there are just so many moving parts and different things I have to do that it's sometimes hard for me to focus. So. You know, having this binder and doodling and writing things down, it just it's always helped me. Even doing something simple like this where I'm just drawing lines. That's all I'm doing is drawing lines. Good old uh, therapy there in that sense for it. It's, it's one of those tools yeah. that you have to have in your toolbox. Oh, excuse me. I had like a little baby burp there of a, <laughs> a little tool in your toolbox to be able to kind of help going along. Like yeah. a coping mechanism in a way. Kind of, yeah. Um, yeah, I really love to do this. And then when I have the time... I'm a terrible cook. I'm going to put that out there right now. I'm a terrible cook. But I can bake. And it's the one thing that my mother and my mother-in-law will ask me to do. Oh, Ashley, are you making the pumpkin bread? Oh, are we going to have snickerdoodle cookies this week? No, because I have stuff to do. Can't make your snickerdoodle cookies today. But it's it's because it's one of those things that I just like to put on Netflix and really be able to focus on something small, something simple that feels so far away from anything that I have to do. Which, And then when I'm having an emotionally hard time and I don't feel like turning to music, that's another thing that I do is I, I bake. So of course in college, we had cookies all the time. <laughs> it's the college years though so you know there's no calories there's no nothing involved with it at all when you're in college it's i just, mean you know all a part of it yeah i mean and it comes kind of back to my my amazing dating history that i don't regret at all that i definitely didn't have a boyfriend that can paired himself to samuel l jackson from pulp fiction yes <laughs> great impression by the way great impression and you can quote it word for word oh from like, it's it's amazing i mean like that that was him to a t you know i definitely didn't date some from someone from boston massachusetts with a very typical boston name Oh my gosh, they've all been amazing with great stories and they all had cookies that I made after our breakups. <laughs> That's the evolution of the the cookie baking oh, right here for, for sure with, with that. I, I know you've said a lot about music, like that you, it's been like a therapy thing. It's always something that's there. I have a ton of questions that will hopefully engage your audience of learning from friends here uh -huh. uh, about the music industry and what it means like in your element, because the music industry is such a broad term. It's such a big mm -hmm. thing. A lot of people misconstrue it of saying, oh, like I think about this popular music that's that's in the charts and that's the only person that's the music industry. No, no, like mm -hmm. you hear music everywhere you go. You hear it in advertising. You hear it in um, backgrounds of movies. You hear it like music makes the world go around. It's a universal language here and there's so many moving parts within that industry. Amen. Yeah, so so true here for it. But the the first thing that I have to introduce here and figure out is how did you get into music? Um, purely by accident. Purely I, by accident. It okay. really was. It was one of those things that there will be moments where I feel like, oh, I need to get away from it. I needed to get out of it when I was younger. 
And it just wasn't ready to let me go. So the way I got started originally is, of course, being a typical growing up in Georgia girl is through church and through school. Um, we grew up in an area I would definitely call the Bible Belt. We have, you know, as many churches as we do Waffle Houses. I have to go a little bit more of churches, churches than Waffle Houses yeah. uh, for, for right now. I mean, okay, you win this time. We'll see how many. I'll take that victories because I don't win that often. So I'll take the victory. Um, so see how many I can get during this uh, podcast episode. That was the one Cade. Last one. Last one. Um, so there were always opportunities to sing and to be able to find new expression through music. But I think the number one person that made me fully turn my head to music and decide, like, this is a thing was my mentor, Mr. Forsh. The man. I mean. The legend. He he became such an amazing mentor to me and such a beautiful person to me that he actually officiated my wedding. That's, he he's, I mean, you can't say enough about Fred Forsh. Uh, he's just a fantastic influence and you know, even though I'm sure there were many times where he goes, why am I teaching middle school choir? These girls and guys are crazy. Like, what am I doing with my life? Says he a middle school teacher himself right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know that feeling of. I mean, like oh, anybody that, that's in the public teaching field, I just have to give you a huge round of applause because. I mean, now looking at it from an older perspective, I'm just like, gosh, we were insane. How how do they do this? But he became- One minute at a time. Not one day, one minute at a time. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't, because you're surrounded by like these new prepubescent teenagers that Raging are, hormones. Oh my gosh, all the time. And like- I don't know why I'm crying about a gummy bear, but I did. And everything's out of out of proportion. <laughs> that gummy bear is the end of the world. It really was. But he just every single day had no matter how frustrating we were was always inspirational and always brought me hope and there was one day where he said, "Ashley, I want you to come and come to my congregation and that's when I realized he was pastor um, at an AME church and for the first time I realized what power there was in music and I remember I sang this little light of mine but sang it in just a way that I didn't know that it could sound like that and I was inspired by the people around me I was inspired by my mentor I was inspired about how much my faith really meant to me and in turn what having a gift to share with others felt like because that's one thing that he would say to me Mr. Forsh would say you know Ashley you're not the most talented person I've ever met but you are the most driven musically that is, that is a very true statement you are if you have your mind on something you're going to make it happen <sighs> And see, that's really, to this day, is amazing to hear because I don't feel like that. We are our own worst critics. That's yeah. just part of also a little bit of our mental illness, our thought process. I'm going to use that word. Mm -hmm. I hate using that word, mental illness. It's not a great word. Um, but yeah, we, we get in our own heads and we overthink every situation. We're never good enough in our own minds. Mm -hmm. we, I 100% agree with that. That's where I just decided to stop trying to control. Well, it took me a few years to figure this out, but I, at one point I just stopped trying to control the direction of my life and I stopped trying to control things so, so much and just let life take me. And that's how I ended up in the music field. Um, so I went to university um, for music. I was a music major, music performance. Voice was my principal instrument. And, you know, of course, going through college, they make you go through the opera training. And it really wasn't for me. But then I found love with that. And when I graduated, I had a bunch of different opportunities. 
many of them going into a more professional music field, going for my master's degree. But ultimately, I actually chose another path. And that was, I really felt the need to get out of the music bubble and really be able to serve and do something that I felt was more important than me. But even when I went over to Scotland, the church I ended up being um, joining had music professors at the local conservatory. You can't escape it. Like, it's just going to follow you. And I, all I wanted to do was volunteer for the choir. And at one point, they were like, who hit that high note? And they said, oh, it's the American in the back. And I'm like, five, five one on a good day. But I was just trying to blend in and I was trying to hide and, you know, just good luck. <sighs> we have this issue of standing out wherever we go. It's our personalities. It's just it's it's there. Well, for those that have never heard me sing, I'm a little loud. OK, nope. I, I had to stop myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm loud in everything I do, I guess. Um, you literally just jumped off the scale in terms of like when we're recording here to see jump, 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 red, 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 red. <sighs> okay well your recording software just needs to keep up with me then <laughs> well i'm the one mixing while recording stuff. i'm like my own full gear here like i am you know i can't do it all at once man i'm not superman i mean i think you're selling yourself short but okay um no she um she ended up pulling me to the side after one of our rehearsals and she goes you know i teach at the royal conservatory um, up north, do you mind taking a train up and coming and checking it out? And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. So there was a couple days I had off that didn't say anything to my flatmates, didn't say anything to anybody. I literally got in a train, ended up going to the conservatory and had kind of a mini audition and decided I was going to continue training um, on the days that I had off. And I just... I don't know. I just kind of realized there was no getting away from it. So I'd be I'd be doing my um, volunteer missionary work and I'd be in the kitchen or I'd be, you know, just doing something. And I find myself just singing in what I'm doing. And the people that were at the mission were so funny. If you've ever met anybody from Scotland, first of all, Scotland's a beautiful country much prettier than London, Paris, or any other place I've ever been. And the people are hysterical. Um, partially because you can't understand anything that they're saying. But I grew up... You learn it over time. Well, you got to adapt to it when you're there. No, I was really good, though, because I grew up with rednecks. And you can't understand what they're saying either. And it was just so similar. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. But they're they're the funniest people and they're also the feistiest people um so you have to stay on your toes at all times and i just was able to keep this lightheartedness about myself in scotland and you know that's when i found myself singing and the guys would come in wherever i was and they would try and pick up and do some sort of harmony and they're like yeah yeah so that was kind of awesome so, so drawing that back in here you get back from from scotland, scotland yeah you start kind of pursuing a little bit more within your your career and you do a lot of independent like contracting yeah a lot of that now how does that work in terms of writing out contracts being able to protect your rights as an individual as a whole like do you have a lawyer on on key for you a retainer sorry i get the word correctly no you're fine um so yes i do have um a lawyer on retainer um and the funny thing is is when i started doing contracts i actually took uh like a contract writing course to figure out how to do it because you're going to have to pay an attorney to go through all the finite details when it comes to contracts because they can do it much quicker. Um, and they'll know the cues to look for much better. But the first contracts I ever did 
were these 15 page contracts that I wrote myself. And I literally 15 pages, like for real 15 pages. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think the, the shortest contract I've ever written was maybe seven pages, but the first one was 15. And it's because you have to go through things like um, insurance, liability. You know, if I'm wor- walking in a studio that I happen to be working in and I trip and fall, that studio wants to make sure that they're not liable for that because I have to take care of my own insurance. Um, I have to do, oh, I'm so bad with these things like three letter statements, but the EMI is on my taxes. And, you know, you, you just have to cross so many T's and dot so many I's that the first ones I did, I did solely because I s- stayed in the law library in our downtown area. And I was like a mad woman on a mission to make sure I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to make sure anything that's recorded, like it's mine. It belongs to me. If I want to sell it, I can because especially when I was younger, I made mistakes and you're supposed to make mistakes. Yeah, it's part of life. That's how we grow. And so I was taken advantage of in a couple different ways in the industry. I don't think anybody gets out unscathed, certainly. (laughs) No, if not, then you're lying. You're not telling the truth. You're trying to hide something there nothing is you're not going to get out unscathed so i messed up quite severely in the past and i wanted to make sure that that would never happen so the first contract i ever had i literally you know just stayed in a law library and now it's and i had an attorney go through it before i had one on retainer i like paid for their advice and they're like this is a little psychotic but intense but it was the ashley court story (laughs) <laughs> but it was it was amazing that I, you know, eventually did did start to make a little bit more compensation so I could have somebody on retainer to to go through these because it doesn't matter if I'm recording something for voice or if I'm actually writing, editing or arranging music. I have to make sure that one my moniker is represented that I'm getting properly compensated and that I'm not being overworked because there's so many musicians that are part of a union to make sure that doesn't happen. Are you a part of a union? I am not. Interesting. Um, and it's not always the smartest idea. You have to do your research. I just kind of decided the union was not for me, but that instead I would rather have my own people to be like, well, you kind of need to pay Ashley more for this or I'll have little stipulations in my contract like if I'm doing a show and they change the music less than 48 hours before the show, my rate just doubled. Protect yourself. Yeah. Um, And another great piece of advice I got from the dean of music at my university and he said, you're a professional now. You don't do anything for free. That is a true statement that... We all have to learn the hard way when it comes to a yeah. something that you're really good at professionally. Like when you get to that point, the keyword professional doesn't mm-hmm. they, you don't you can't give away your talent because once you give it once, they're going to expect it more and more, and that word's going to travel very fast. I think it's that lovely little um, TikTok social media saying it costs that much because it takes me hours. There was a I'm going to botch the story here probably. But um, Picasso was at a cafe, drawing a picture, like just doodling around. And he stood up in this napkin and was about to throw it away. Lady walks up to him and goes, oh, like, can I have that? Like, yeah, that's really cool. Like, I'll even pay for it. And he goes, that'll be $30,000. And she goes, what? Like, you were about to throw it away. Like, you just spent five minutes on that. He goes, no, 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 no. I spent 30 years mm-hmm. working on this to, to get here. And that's as far as it's like you draw back in the story is you, it may seem like you may only be there for five, 10 minutes. You may be asking for a hundred, 300, a thousand dollars for you being there for that three, three minutes, but you're paying for that experience that's built up there. And that, I bet you that helps you as well. Mm-hmm. Building your catalog for getting uh, your, customers and getting mm-hmm. more uh, applying for 
jobs that may become available or also your clientele that I, I know that you also, don't you uh, teach as well? I do. I do. So teaching actually has now taken up most of my time. Um, I do write. Welcome to the teaching world. It, it soaks up your life uh, in a good way. And, and it, it's been phenomenal, honestly. Um, so I still do my side work of editing, arranging, writing, but vocal pedagogy, I has to set, have to say is my full on thing. Um, so pedagogy is just a fancy word meaning to teach. Um, and I really like going on phonics. I really like going um, over the Pavarotti method. I really like going um, into vocal health. And I'll have people that literally want to take lessons with me because they're, I've, they got my name or number through somebody else while they were on the road and they needed to come while they're touring. They need me to, you know, go visit them and do a quick check on their voice, see how they're doing, see what they're doing. And then I'll, I'll get professionals all the way to like four-year-olds that argue with me that I don't know what a quarter note is. And that's why I love teaching is because you never know what's going to walk in your door. And it's very humbling to have your students trust you. That is a big one, trust. That's a huge thing. You know, that's why I say the first few lessons with me, you're going to be nervous. You're going to be excited. You're going to have no idea what you're doing. But it's normally within the second, third, sometimes it'll be a month for worth of lessons to where they finally take down that wall and that's the biggest compliment that you as a student can do for me your coach because that means you actually trust me and my crazy process that I take to get your voice sounding the way you want it to sound and when that happens when that wall of I'm guarding myself comes down and I get a really gorgeous sound from my student. I actually will pause and I'll thank them. Yeah. Cause that, that's what we look for as a, as a teacher is that student being successful mm-hmm. in reaching their goals. Yeah. And all we are there is we're a guide. We're, we're part of the story, but it's them that have to get to that mountaintop. Mm-hmm. We are just that guide. We're a little bit of a playbook along the way for it, but they have to choose to get there yeah absolutely i mean my ultimate goal is to make you as the student better than i am and once you are better than i am i get to pass you to somebody that's better than me and that's a sign of a great teacher within itself is that you want people to leave better than you like that's the whole thing at the end of the day you're wanting to train the next expert yeah that's humbling heavily as well to realize that from other individuals like oh yeah like you know this person is better than me and that that's okay that's a good thing well i mean you can't have an ego about it because that's ultimately you know what you're doing is i will i have so many things that i tell my students and i can't literally fit them within an hour segment let alone you know 30 seconds of talking about it but I just, I love my students so much. Oh, I do too. I, I've I, had so many of the years and I still like love each and every one of them. I will remember, you know, the ones that, you know, wouldn't listen to me as much as the ones that did trust me. And I'll, <laughs> I've said to them, look, these lessons are really important because they're individualized. If you can't, find yourself relaxing from the way I do things. You need to find somebody else because there are so amazing teachers out there. I mean, I'm pretty flipping fabulous. Yes, you are. Thank you. Oh, I'm smiling now. As you should. (laughs) Um, But it doesn't mean that my methods and my way is going to work for you. And you have to find that one person that's just perfect for you. And the ultimate goal for me is that I inspire the people that I not only teach, but the people that I work with and, you know, I'm able to 
unfold something just amazing in the process. And we have these beautiful musical moments that I'm just like, this is the right moment. And this is amazing. And that just culminated in so many different things. And, and I, I have to say the, this, this friend speaks my mind. Like as, <laughs> as a teacher, I can relate entirely to this. And it's, it's such a wonderful thing to hear it because it does travel into all fields. Mm -hmm. When you really get down to it, teaching is something that is universal. Mm -hmm. I mean, and especially with the lockdowns that all of us have experienced. Oh my gosh, it's definitely changed everything. Music has been one of the fields that just like have, has that one thing to completely inspire and helps you progressively move forward. I mean, music is amazing. Yeah. That, that I mean, I'm a little biased. I'm a little biased. Just, just a little. You're not Chris <laughs> biased, though. Oh! oh! Gotta love it. You gotta put that one in there. We jumped off the scale. Like, that was red the whole way through on that one. That's hilarious. I like to throw that in there when I get the chance to it. But uh, you just said the words here of it's music. I'm gonna translate and change it into a different words to it here. But music's therapy. Music's universal. Mm -hmm. Music can be able to drive us forward as a people yeah this this is where i want us to dive into talking about a little bit of our our backgrounds with our struggles with okay. uh, with mental illness in that sense to it i hate using that word but i can't think of another word right now to use for it because that's the that's the most recognizable term for people yeah. to relate to um but I, I i suffer from ptsd and i suffer from anxiety and depression uh i am medicated in order to help me get through stuff i go to therapy uh in order to to learn more about myself. I've tried different types of experimental therapy over the years in order to um, be where I am now. And that's since forward. It's not a short sprint. It's a marathon. And each time you go to somewhere new, you have to learn something to add to tools to your toolbox to be able to cope differently, to be able to, because you never know what's going to pop up at any given moment uh, mm -hmm. by any means. How has that affected you with your side and your battles within the music like how does that convert for you so um i'll break it down for your listeners just a little bit i was diagnosed with ptsd 11 years ago i was um diagnosed with nocturnal pruritus i believe it is about two years ago that's basically where you have anxiety to a point where you're physically itching and there's nothing wrong. There's nothing physically wrong, but you're you're itching, and it happens primarily for me in the evenings. Um, and when I was first diagnosed, I was in a moment of avoiding because I knew that something was wrong, but I didn't want to know. We never want to admit that we have a problem. <laughs> that is, as they say with a lot of uh, recovery programs, the first step is to admitting you have a problem that is it's a true statement you have to admit and say it out loud with somebody it may not be you have to first say it to yourself though yeah it is true although those typical sayings just make me want to punch you in your yeah. beautiful face you know cliches they they are rough but they do have some truth to them all the time <sighs> like all all the time to it there's it's just it's there but um yeah so I finally sought therapy and they said, oh yeah, you do have a few screws loose. Let's uh, get in there and see what's uh, happening. Um, and it wasn't just from like, it stems from one specific incident, but different things added to that. It all piles up over time. And it just made it, it went from bad to worse so quickly and when I was first diagnosed, I was just trying to avoid everything. And that's when I think music really guided me. And, you know, then I, I don't know, every time I try and avoid something, music comes in and says, like, this is what's about to happen. Like when after I had met, you guys had introduced me to my now husband. You're welcome. <sighs> Um, I was actually singing a really gorgeous song called We Are Never Alone in a church in North Georgia um, with this beautiful choir behind me. And 
literally I heard these words of, hey, stupid, you asked for some pure and honest love. I literally just gave it to you and you're trying to run away to Scotland. What are you doing? And that's been my relationship with my faith and with music is just like, I'll try and avoid things, but through that connection, like I have to come full force. So now here years later, I have been told that I will have to be on medication for the rest of my life. Same here. Um, that was probably the hardest thing for me to hear because I wanted some sort of hope to know that one day I don't need it anymore. And that day is never coming. When one of my therapy sessions, when I have this battle of talking with my therapist about this of uh, in psychologists back and forth of discussion with um, medication, they gave me this amazing analogy. And I want to share this with you guys because I think it's a really great example of at any given moment when you're behind a car, you could die at any given moment to it. And imagine being behind the wheel of a car and you're driving 120 miles an hour. Everything is speeding by you so quickly and so fast that you miss out on seeing some of the small things like the flowers or um, being able to drive by somebody and wave at them or something on that sort because you're going so fast. Mm -hmm. The medication, what it's doing is helping you slow down and see those individual flowers be able to live a little bit of a better life and be able to expend, extend, extend your life in a in a safer manner than when you're driving 120 miles an hour because you're more likely to get hurt or hurt somebody else because you're not able to filter it as easily. And that's what, as soon as I heard that, I was like, wow, okay, I will take my medication. I will stay on my medication. This makes more sense. And that took me years to be able to accept that because I yeah. didn't start going to therapy or accepting that I had an issue till I was forced by work. They put me on medical leave Ooh. saying that if you don't go to therapy, we're not going to let you come back to work. That's when you lived out of state. So you yeah. didn't have the support system. No. And that's the part of the reason why we live in Georgia. Katie, my wife, makes this comment all the time of uh, she never wanted to move to Georgia, but she goes, now we live in Georgia and Kate's on drugs. Like by drugs, it's like it's <laughs> prescription drugs in that sense to it. Uh, medication in that sense for it. But yeah, that's always been an ongoing joke. But medication is what's there to help you. Like that's yeah. the point. It's a it's an aid. Yeah. and If, it's if not abused. If not, that's an issue. Yeah. Do not abuse any medications. Don't. Medications, no. Yeah. No. Exactly. Just no sit back and follow the rules that are there. They're there for a reason. Well, and, and to this day, I'll I'll sneak in. So I have a psychologist and a psychiatrist. Yay, same here. Um, and I think it's, imp it's important for m me personally to have both. Um, and I want to go ahead and say I'm not <laughs> – I'm not a professional person with PTSD. Like I don't – I don't have a medical background in all this. I'm just saying based on my knowledge and me going through it. Yeah. In PTSD, one thing I have to throw in here, a lot of people get confused of thinking that it's only for military or something along that kind of branch. It doesn't it affects any traumatic event that specifically mm -hmm. alters your brain functionality. Now, most people I've met, because I've had to go to like group therapy sessions, most people that I've met are military. Most of them are. It is the most common and the heavily mm -hmm. associated with it. And, you know, you, you hear their stories and, you know, because you have to go into like sharing mode, which I, I hate when you have to share. I hate it. You're so vulnerable. Like you're literally, and it's most of the time to people you have no clue who they are. Yeah. And it's one of those things after a while you're, you know, you walk into the room and it just becomes so glib to like go through of, hi, my name's Ashley and I have PTSD because of this reason. This is what happened. And then I went over here and then this happened and it sucks and I'm on medication and it's nice to meet all of you that I'll never see again. Yeah, but the more you say it, 
for some people it gets easier. Yeah. It, it, it does get a little easier, but some people it gets harder. Like that's the thing. It's not a, it's not a constant uptick of positive. Mm-hmm. You're going to get moments where you're at, feel like you're at the top of the game and that you're figuring it out. And then all of a sudden, back there's yeah. a new twist and it, everything changes. Yeah. And part of that new twist is with mine specifically, there were things that I had to, well, not that I had to, that I chose to try and ignore and pretend like it didn't happen. And um, I'm still going through like this memory therapy and I have to do these um, EMDR sessions that say, you know, it's okay for you to acknowledge that this happened. It's okay um, to know everything that happened, but here's a way we're going to move on from it. And part of what I struggle with is I tried so hard to forget. And now that's immediately what my therapist wants to go into every day. Our brains try to protect us as much as possible at times that that it it will block out entire memories here and entirely to do that. And Mm -hmm. something I want to say with, like she's going through these lists and I've gone through a couple lists of saying that things that we have done, there's not one silver bullet no. it is a it is no. a trial and error keep testing and you'll find something that does work for you and give you a little bit of help and it helps eliminate that's one thing that didn't work for me mm-hmm. maybe it'll work for me later when i realize and understanding it a little bit better well i mean for some people they love going to the group therapy sessions and it definitely helps them for me personally hated it Still hate it. I'll do whatever it takes not to have to do those again. Um, just because for me, it didn't it didn't help. And I don't have, you know, the mindset to be successful in those atmospheres. And that's another thing is you have to know that going through therapy and going through the trauma that you have already lived through, you have to give it an opportunity and be willing to let it work. Yeah. That, that's the thing is you have to open up your mind and allow it in. in that sense for it. You really do. And you and I aren't hard-headed at all. So What are you talking like, about? Hard-headed? What? Come on. No. Not at all. <laughs> but it sometimes takes getting to the lowest of points to be accepted and seek that help mm-hmm. and do that. Um, but this is, I'm going to do a small little tangent here. I, I apologize for this. Um, if you were at a very low point, just remember everyone, there's someone out there that does love you. Mm-hmm. And if you are gone, um, you are going to be missed. You, your memory is not gone and not wiped away from it. That's as for you are important. You may not seem like it to yourself but you are important in this world to it. Mm-hmm. So please, if something does come up in your life and you need help, it's okay to ask for help. It's not a weakness by any means. It is one of the biggest superpowers to be able to ask for help. That's, that's what I'm gonna say for sure with, with that for sure. And I'm gonna drop a little nugget here. I don't know if I'm gonna call it a nugget, that's a weird way. Of, I will admit, I attempted suicide once and that ranch to it. Um, I was not in a good place. It was not in a good state of mind for it. But you never know when your mental health is going to hit you in a way that you may turn in a direction where you feel you need to escape. And that's just for it. That is not the answer mm-hmm. when it comes out. Just, just please remember that. And there's always look for somebody out there to ask for assistance to it. It may not seem like it's, it may not be your best friend. It may not, it may be a neighbor. It may be just a random person, uh, but please speak up, say something. Even if it's the smallest of things, people want to help you. We want to see you succeed. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I will say one thing, and it was advice that I got from my grandfather years ago, and he passed away long before this ever um happened but it's something that he said to me that stuck with me and it's the one thing that would save my life time and time again and maybe it will help somebody else but my grandfather said to me 
I don't know why this stuck out after all the great advice he gave me, but he looked at me and said, Ashley, you are not special. There is nothing unique or special about you. There is somebody else in the world going through identically what you are going through. It's not what you go through. It's how you move on from it. And don't you ever think for a second that giving up is an option because it is one of the most selfish things you can ever do. And he he did have a few brothers that, you know, committed suicide. And he just dug it into my mind. Don't you ever do it. It's the most selfish thing you can do. And you can be a brat sometimes, but you're not that horrid. Because suicide, while it is very personal, it's also the most selfish way. You can try and take control of something that is tearing you from the inside out. So don't you dare think for one second that you have the right to take your own life because it's not yours to take. You have no idea how somebody else is going to be able to gain hope or benefit from your experience and giving up's just never been an option for me it doesn't mean that i didn't want it at one point but it's never been an option because i knew i could never ever be that selfish and i could never in my life feel that that was an option for me and i'm going to chime back in here real quick on a statement for for those that do attempt and i'm one of those at times one thing you have to understand from the other side of the perspective of for those that have committed and have passed on from it you don't know the mindset that they were into at that mm -hmm. same time and i know that i i sort of remember kind of what took place to it in my state of mind to it be almost in a separate state of mind entirely with that. Mm -hmm. So you can't blame that individual too at the same time. There's two sides to the coin there uh, of that because you don't know what they're fully experiencing. You yeah. you can't say that you could have stopped it or they could have stopped it because you just sometimes you don't know. So that's one there. That's why I, with the conversation on it, there's, there's always two sides to that coin. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm just speaking from my personal experience in it. But it was these are again, personal perspectives. Yeah. We're not experts by any means. No, just an opinion-based thing. It was just one of those things: is that I couldn't do it because there was something higher than me that would not let me down. The devil was always in the corner for me, and he was always there in my darkest hours. But somehow, in those darkest hours, there was always a little bit of light. No matter how lost you are in your mind, no matter how much the walls are breaking around you, you can find the light. You just have to open your eyes. That's deep. <laughs> that, that, that's a very that's that's deep. When it, when it comes to that, you mentioned your grandfather as being yeah. very influential and stuff in your life. What are some people that you would say are influential to you throughout your life? And you said Fred Forsh earlier. Yeah. As well, what yeah. are some more that you can just kind of out here for us i will say the women in my family have been very inspirational to me they have they're all so different and they're all crazier than i could ever be able to explain because they're so different they're so amazing but the women in my family have always been very inspirational but i also have to say that As in, stupid as this sounds, something within me was inspirational. Ooh, nice. And I always felt that everybody is placed on this earth for a reason. I'm not placed on this earth to make some big change, but I'm that little old lady on the bus that says one thing to someone that's going to change the world. I'm not going to change the world, but something that I say just in a little five-minute spectrum to somebody else will help them change the world. And that's what I think that my purpose is. That's, yeah. as a teacher, that's 
every day that I walk into a classroom hoping that some word pops up like that as well. So that's impressive with that. I'm going to slowly start wrapping us up here because we're reaching that hour and five minute mark here. And I don't want to keep our listeners for so long. It's about having fully established a, the the a reputation to be able to, to last this <laughs> long with a, an hour and five minutes. But I, I will say, I mean, I will ask if someone's interested in your music realm on it, is there a way that they can maybe contact you? Absolutely. So um, I have my own representation as far as writing, but when it comes to teaching, again, it's just so inspirational. I have an Instagram where I love to share things that my students are doing or accomplishing from anything from they wrote their very first song or symphony to you just learned a quarter note that's amazing and my instagram would be miss ashley's music and i will have the hashtags and stuff in the notes for you to be able to find and see Mm -hmm. thank you you're welcome this always makes it easy for that but that that is truly what sparks joy and when there's a beautiful moment I'm not one of these professional Instagram, YouTube, TikTok users, but when there's something amazing and inspirational, I will pick up my phone and I'll take a quick picture or I'll want them to see what their fingers look like when they're playing piano, or I want them to be able to appreciate a moment where awesomeness happened. And that's when I post a picture um, for them or their parents to see or them and as an adult to be able to appreciate an experience. Um, but you can tell everything is about them. I absolutely love it. And those little moments of inspiration and joy and love. Yeah. See, that's that's a true teacher right there when it's it's about them. That's the key word there. It's about them, me and the student as a whole so as we're coming back saying i've said as we're coming to an end we could <laughs> we could just drag on several times with this oh, yeah. ashley i want to thank you for for spending this glorious evening with me and ha- having this conversation yeah of course i mean i don't think that there'd probably be anybody else that i would do this with to be honest um and it's very vulnerable and it's very humbling for me to talk about it and you know if you are struggling with anything i just i give you love and i give you support and i want you to know that you're you're genuinely not alone true statements true true words for sure corny but true yeah (laughs) corny cliches they're there for a reason They've, they've existed for so long because of what the value of it really is so as you all are leaving Thank you for spending your time with me, Cade Curtis, your host on Learning From Friends. You can find me on Facebook, Learning From Friends podcast will come up. You can type in Learning From Friends. I have a website, www.learningfromfriends.com. You can see me in email at Cade, C-A-D-E, at learningfromfriends.com. I haven't gotten to other social medias yet. Maybe eventually I'll get there to Twitter, Instagram, or something along those lines. I'm I'm not super technology-driven yet in that realm, but please, if you enjoy this, refer it to a friend, hit like, hit subscribe, share it um, in any way, form, or fashion. I'd appreciate it deeply. But remember, as you leave out, to let your curiosity fly high. Thank you. This is Cade signing off from learning from friends.